Ready? Yes. Welcome to our podcast. Very nice. Thank Excellent you. introduction, Fran. Thank you. Um, this podcast episode is a little bit different because once again we have changed locations, but this time we're in one that's a little more cozy. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're we're in our apartment. So <laughs> Where, where the magic happens. Oh, that's gross. Um, there's no magic happening here. Instead, a podcast <laughs> is happening here. That's the magic I'm talking oh, about. Oh, right. Okay. I don't know what you were talking okay. about. Okay. And but at least there's no chance of us getting kicked out. Watch, like, now someone's going to knock on the doors, <laughs> give us an eviction notice. Please don't put that into the universe. Um, <laughs> this magic is hosted by Francesca. And Patrick. And it's called Last Name Basis. <laughs> We four corners in a triangle, why we keep it 100 tie optional? With a person from a desk acting on the screen, you know who it is, man, it's Jessica well, Lee. He's a lawyer, she's an activist, and you're tuning to them live, this is Last Name Basis. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Ready. You know what? That was a very different intro for us, because I usually go, and this is Last Name Basis. You can do it at the end. Okay, because it just felt, felt weird. I think people are into that. I don't know. Actually, I have no reason to believe that. <laughs> but but maybe, maybe people are into that, and, uh, you know, maybe they'll appreciate it. Well, at some point, at least at the very end. Okay. Well, you know what? I think that um, trying something new is something that can help you grow. And I think I'm sorry. I'm trying to. I'm, I was. I wanted to Snapchat. I'm you trying can't to be on your phone and I'm, podcasting at the same time. I can't. No, you can't. You've admitted before that you are incapable. <laughs> Stop smiling at your phone. I'm smiling Put at it you. Away. Oh, really? I'm smiling at you via Snapchat. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait! So I have to log into Snapchat to watch you smile at me? Oh my God! Wait! Oh mother, <sighs> mother fuck! Right. This is why you don't Snapchat while you're on the podcast. Okay. Okay. See, I'm done. I, I finished. Okay. So we're trying something new by recording in our apartment, and on the subject of new things, Patrick and I both started new jobs this week. Ta-da. That's right. We did. Fran started a very, uh, a very interesting job. Fran now works with The Nightly Show, not just as somebody who shows up on your television screen, but also as a writer behind the scenes. So oh, it's a big deal. Just even, oh my God. Like, and uh, oh. I mean, like, you have, you've, you've made it. You've made it on. You've, you've, you have transcended my computer <laughs> and moved up to my television. I mean, I've been on television before, but this is different because it's a, a full, it's a full time job and I, I haven't had a, a full-time job in a long time I mean upworthy was full-time but it was a work from home full-time and it was a very flexible full-time yes. So, yes, and was. I could and I and I struggled with that so <laughs> <laughs> I mean I was like peace out I'm out of this bitch but but I don't know this is different in the sense that this is like what I want to do with my life and mm-hmm. so you know, I'm three days in, and it is it is so hard. It is so hard, but I kind of think that that's what's really fun about it. Mm-hmm. It's such a challenge, and I'm learning so much, and it's pushing me out of my comfort zone, and I kind of think that the best things career-wise should do that, right? Totally. You can't make progress without challenge. I think that's the bottom line. Well, so and you're finding you're... challenges too at your job, right? Yeah, but you know, like I'm, I'm still a lawyer. So, <laughs> right. But you're at a bigger firm, and there's more like procedural stuff, and 
more um, responsibilities, oh, right? Oh yeah. No, it's it's a great it's a great job. Um, it's a huge firm, and so it's a big step up. And so, as you can expect with a big firm, there's a lot more, not just responsibility, but also a demand for high quality with a fast turnaround time. So me too. It's yeah, exactly. We're it's, having parallel lives. Yeah, we're doing the same thing, except you're on television. <laughs> I'm a lawyer. So Okay, okay, but wait a second. One of the things that we talked about over text today was like this feeling of I'm not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. Did you 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 said you kind of felt that too, right? Oh yeah, but I feel that like I will go to like the corner store that I haven't been to and I'll be like, <laughs> "What am I doing here? I don't belong here." You're like, "Everyone hates me. I'm failing." And the person's like, "Do you want a sandwich or no?" Yeah. Like, you pay for this or what? Exactly. What do you think that that Okay, so I thought that that was mainly associated with being a creative because I've always been in creative fields. Mm -hmm. But do you think that that's just something that everybody deals with? No, I don't. I don't. Because I've known so many people who are very comfortable. All right, but uh, they could be lying. Not just, uh, no, everybody gets nerves. But uh, I I don't think it's the same way that I experience it. And I don't think it's the same thing that you described. What does it feel like when it happens to you? Uh, You know, like... I don't actually feel it. I'm actually, I've, I've made a conscious effort to conquer this feeling. And I'm doing a great job so far at my new position, which is a good good place to be doing that. But uh, uh, in the past, it's felt like, holy shit, I have no idea what any of this means. I don't know how I'm going to accomplish any of this. I don't know how I'm going to basically keep pace with what everybody else who's ever done it before me has done. You know, You're that's like, the thing. oh, like, I just can't, I can't wait to anticipate the fallout. Do you say that to yourself? <laughs> In so many words, or no words, I guess, because it would be to myself. <laughs> you talk to yourself, I hear you. Yeah, I do occasionally. Well, Not I like do it you too. do. <laughs> <laughs> Not the way you talk to yourself. The way that you just said that was so shady. <laughs> well, I do, I, I do talk to myself. Mm-hmm. I take, Full credit of that. It's so funny, though. Sometimes I don't realize I'm talking to myself. One time I was in the shower, and Patrick knocked on the door, and he's like, Prodeska, you have to stop. And I was like, stop what? He's like, you are just having a full-blown conversation it's in really, there. God, it's and so, I didn't know it. But it's so you don't understand how annoying it is, because I actually listen to you. And, ah. and so when you talk to yourself, I have to stop and be like, what? What? <laughs> What all the time? It's just like it's like stop, stop grabbing my attention because you know. And then and then I don't want to have to write you off and be like, oh, I'm gonna assume you're talking to yourself because then I'll absolutely ignore you. Also, you talk to yourself in your sleep. Who does that? You talk to yourself in your sleep too. No, no, no. Yeah, you do. People talk in their sleep. You talk to yourself <laughs> in your sleep. Like it's it's what? Yeah, no. You will talk to yourself in your sleep. It's that bizarre. Is- Really, really I know. Funny. It's like, don't flatter yourself, woman. <laughs> well, okay. I, you know, to go back to what we were saying about, it's called imposter syndrome, and I don't we know. We talked about this on the podcast, I think. Did we? Yeah, briefly. And well, we might have had this entire conversation once before. Well, I feel like it's worth having again, because I've been talking about it. To with, yourself, in your sleep. No, I've been talking <laughs> about it on Snapchat, and people seem to be responding to it, but it's this idea that when good things happen to you, that you don't think that you deserve them or that you are ready for them. And it's really, really scary. And I I really am going through that hardcore right now. But what I'm trying to do to push through it 
is instead of dealing with it by myself, just being really honest and talking about it with people. And that seems to really be helping me because half the writers on our staff did not come from TV. And mm-hmm. so when I tell them that I'm having these feelings, they're like, oh, my God, me too. I mm-hmm. never had written for television before, and I came in here, and I was so scared. And one sure. guy today told me that his agent said to him, all right, listen, you're going to get there. It's going to be really competitive, and everyone's going to be trying to, like, get you out. Like, his his agent, like, set him up and, like, basically mm. told him, like, this is going to be so hard, and yeah. everyone's going to be awful. Basically sent him in there and said, be afraid. Now be go afraid. Out there. It's going to be super competitive. And then he got there, and it wasn't like that at all. And, and thank God I don't have anyone in my ear saying that. But just hearing from other people that they felt that way mm-hmm. has been really comforting. So I guess just in the terms of making this um, applicable to our audience, if you don't work in late night, I mean, doesn't everyone? <laughs> I mean, you might, you know, just in case you're, you know, on the big screen or whatever. I mean, I don't know about you. Jeez. I, it was a joke. No, no, no. But you know what? I'm just a- saying, like, if you fe- have these feelings that maybe talking to other people about mm. it is helpful. Because when I texted you, like, you really helped me get out of it. You were like, get out of your head. You belong there. You're supposed to be there. And I was like, you're right. You're right. I am supposed to be here. Like, I was holding on to it by myself, and I was freaking out. Yeah, that's that's what happens. Once you internalize those feelings, then they have nowhere to go, and they just snowball. That's a good point, though, actually. One one of the things that you mentioned was working for a major network television show like God. you're doing. I mean, there's so much buildup for that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So when you walk into that, it's easy to understand how overwhelmed or insecure you can feel because it's been built up so much. And I was kind of thinking in comparison to what I experienced, especially when I started practicing law, because, you know, I come from a very blue-collar background. And Were you, like, the first one out of your out of the boys to go to college? Yeah, I was the first one in my family on my, on my father's side to go to college, period. Like, anyone in the that's family. That's, like, a huge level of, like, if holy I, I, crap. I think that's true. But, you know, when coming from that, you know, I'd never been in a conference room before. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I'm going into places with, on the 40-something floor in Manhattan, the big city, with these giant tables that probably cost more than the house I grew up in. Right. You know, and it's just – it's extremely overwhelming, and it's – um. And it's a lot to digest. And, and you start thinking, does everyone know that, like, I'm not supposed to be here? <laughs> kind of like that, yeah. But That's then, what I think. But then the truth is, everybody was just like you at some point. The best advice I've received yet, and the thing that I keep reminding myself of, is that everybody else has also done this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not the first person to do this. Right. So it's not an impossible task. In fact, people who weren't as good as me have done this right. and had long, successful careers. And I think that's true, too. God knows there's enough mediocrity in media <laughs> that and is in law. Damn so, I mean, mediocrity that gets rewarded and people make tons of money and send their exactly. kids to college exactly. off of like not being talented or funny or hardworking. So. so just in case you felt like this, you're not alone. We're sharing the experience with you. And you've got, um, you've got someone to commiserate with. Yeah, we can do it together. <laughs> Cheesy, but uplifting. <laughs> you know what? You need to stop being a hate and ass hater. I really well, wanted us to talk about, you know, our fears and hopefully encourage our audience to, you know, yeah. embrace their fears too and, and we can get over it. Yeah. Actually, I think we saw this segment going two different ways. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good metaphor for our relationship. <laughs> That's not a good don't put that out there in the universe whatever you're editing it so you can decide what stays i'll decide what gets out in the universe exactly i call the shots exactly
Um, I put on here news about the Fine Brothers, but now I feel like this is so out of date. Well, I think the news has changed because if you want to give the backstory, Fran. Sure. Um, the most cliff notes is there's a really popular YouTube channel. Um, these two guys, the Fine Brothers. Which side note, why are there so many brothers in show business? Are they actual brothers? Yeah, they're yeah they're really? actual. Really? They because I, I saw them, I didn't think they looked that much alike. Yeah, they're actual brothers. But you they have, like, have a rude awakening later in life. What one do you of them mean? Is. Why? Because one of them is adopted. No, they're they are brothers. Like you can, I think they look alike. But you know what I mean? Like there's so many brothers. Right? In show business? Like yeah. the Cohen brothers. I don't know why like that is. The Wayans brothers. The Jackson Five. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, um, what's that one guy? What's that one guy who's like an asshole? Uh, not Donnie. Don Mark Wahlberg. What's what, Wahlberg? The Mark Wahl brothers. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Mark yeah. Wahlberg. Oh, and, um, There's a whole bunch of them. And the them. Wilsons, the one with the crooked nose. Yeah, Owen Wilson and what's his name? Wilson? Yeah, but they just happen to be brothers. They're not going by like the brothers, right? But like there, but there are a lot of like brothers. We're just naming family members now. <laughs> that person's related, right? But uh, anyways, so the Vine Brothers are a very popular YouTube channel. Um, I think they've got something like over twenty million subscribers across all their channels, and wow. they got really popular doing these reaction videos. Kids react, teens react, YouTubers react, where they show. A bunch of kids, a popular video, and they react to it. It's been huge for them. And uh, last week, they decided, they came up with this brilliant idea that they were going to license this React franchise so that people could make their own videos in the style of Kids React, Teens React, whatever, um, which is fine. But where I think they kind of got off track was that they trademarked React. And so they, well, they started... Oh, go ahead. Giving copy, like filing copyright claims against anyone who had, you know, Patrick reacts to the Last Name Basis podcast, which is like the best podcast he's ever heard in his life. And then they saw that <laughs> and then they were like, copyright. And then they took it down. And, and it was really just like the whole Internet turned against them. It was really, really wild because they lost like almost a million subscribers in like three days. Because That's of awesome. This. That's awesome. What they did was, uh, just to clarify what like the actual legal mechanisms that they were working with, they trademarked React, or they were attempting to trademark React, and they had a trademark pending for React, but they had trademarked a few of the variations on that, which were Kids React, I think Seniors React, things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. What they had were trademarks of these, of, these, of these names. So what a trademark is is exactly what it sounds. It's a mark used for trade. So you have to be using it, to make money, basically, and it has to be some sort of mark like a like a logo, a name, something of that sort. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have a copyright because I don't think that you could probably you probably and they probably certainly couldn't have gotten away with copywriting the notion of having somebody react to something else on. Well, screen. and that's what they what was so weird too is that they they. They were deceptive in how they explained this, and it is it is confusing. And that's what I'm getting. Well, people who don't know the law, of course, it's it's confusing, right? So, but that's what I'm getting at. The internet saw through their shit because what they were doing was talking about their trademarks as the legal mechanism for for their monopoly over this enterprise. Right. But then telling people that they should that they can't use their format unless they license it from them. Right. And, and they didn't quite say that, but that was what they were trying to give to the internet. 
and then they were putting this shiny positive gloss on it as if they were helping the world and benefiting everybody by Ugh. allowing you to pay them to use their format. That was what was so skeezy about it. And then the, the other part of that that really bothered me is that they, they really kind of had this self-righteous air of people have ripped us off, you know? We're doing this to protect ourselves because time and time again, people have, have stolen our format and we're gonna ask you to support us and buy into this franchise and not support people who steal from us. And it's like, um, excuse me, your whole career is built on people watching content that you don't even own. Right, right. Like, right. There's, and, there's a little bit of irony there. Yeah, and just a little. And you did not invent reaction videos. Like, I mean, granted, you really It's it's one step away from suggesting that you invented reactions, period. Cause really, like, people react to things. And like all you're really doing is filming that, so it's like, well, so what are you trying to capture here? If you invented a reaction in general, then maybe. But right, filming was, a reaction is absurd. And 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 again, not to discredit the work that goes into what they do, like they really did kind of capitalize on this reaction market and come up with a way to like make it um, consistent again uh, across all of their different brands and whatever. But the idea of putting a screen in front of a kid, a, a cute little kid, and showing them something and filming their response to it. I mean, hello, kids say the darndest things. Right. I mean, that I was mean, like Cosby a, was doing it. Everybody's been. Everyone yeah. was freaking doing that. Yeah. And and so they did not invent anything. And to then suggest that other people, I guess Ellen had done some kids reacting to old technology. Mm -hmm. And the Fine Brothers went on their Facebook and asked their fans to attack Ellen because they knew that they couldn't file a copyright claim, claim against Ellen. But if they told their fans to go comment all over her videos you stole from the fine brothers and that's interesting because they because they had no reason to stop her from doing what she was doing unless she used the phrase kids react and i don't know if she did but they would have no mechanism by which to actually enforce their claim against her their alleged claim against her so they they instead tried to turn their fans which is really deceptive and really shitty to do to human beings out there who are supporting you and your cause. Well, their fans called them on it because they very quickly deleted that post, but this was a perfect, this was the time, like you said, the whole internet collectively was like, pull out the receipts because somebody had the good sense to screenshot that, even oh. though it was like years ago. Of course, and that's what I was saying initially. That's what's great about the internet, and that's really, honestly, like, I, and, and this, is, this is a pretty nerdy thing to be touched by, but I was touched, actually <laughs> touched by the fact that in the end of this, the Fine Brothers backed out of all of this. They posted a video that said, we're sorry, we now, or, or a statement saying that we're sorry, we now understand that, you know, that the effect that trying to, trying to trademark and control these things can have over free expression. And I was like, damn, that is the people policing their world in the truest, most direct sense. They put them in a corner and said, we are going to fuck you until you back down from this, even though they had legal rights to a lot of what they were doing. And not only did they have legal rights, they also had, to the extent that they didn't have legal rights, they had the power to do it because YouTube can be abused um, and used to take down things that really aren't infringing on your trademarks or copyrights um, just because they 
they do that. So you well, can actually abuse the YouTube system is what I've understood. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think that the, the, the thing that really seemed to motivate this whole backlash, and I think that this was a positive thing, is that this would set a precedent. Someone could go ahead and say that they are going to trademark the word haul. And hauls are very popular on YouTube. It's where you go and you buy a ton of stuff, and then you basically show all the stuff you bought. Mm -hmm. So you say, I did a Forever 21 haul. Here's all the stuff I bought. Someone could say, I'm going to trademark hauls, and then no one can make haul videos. And that right. would basically shut down half of the videos on YouTube. Well, realistically, it, it probably couldn't quite work that way. Well, that's what the Fine Brothers were doing with the React but thing, I and they do... took down a ton of people's videos. Well, that's it, because that's YouTube doing that. They contacted YouTube, had YouTube take it down. That's the abuse of YouTube. Then you have your lawyers send cease and desist letters, little guys who are making a couple bucks off their YouTube videos. They get scared. They say, I don't need this headache. They take their stuff down. And so you can actually do it without ever having to file a lawsuit. Right, that's without, what I'm suggesting without, they could do. Right, well, without ever having to litigate it. And if you never litigate it, though, you never have a court step in and say definitively, no, that's bullshit. I'm, I'm dragging on. I'm sorry. I will back no, out. No, I this. love it. It's cute. I, I I love this story because it's such a perfect hybrid of like your brain and my brain. I, yeah, I, I know, but no, my my mind is like going to spin out of control. No, but I sense. think it's really cool because I think that you and I can bring a perspective to this story that a lot of people can't because you actually know and understand the law, and I actually live and work in this space, and mm -hmm. I can see the repercussions for the YouTube community, and so. You know, I personally, I think that I'm of the mind that I'm glad that they pulled their trademarks and they have said that they are sorry. But this was a huge – when you get called out, the way that people respond says so much about your character. And mm. that first video that they made, they were rolling their eyes. They were so aggressive and defensive. And mm. it was not an apology. It was like, I'm sorry that you – you don't understand what a trademark is. This is very confusing and hard for you to get. Yeah, but we're going to break it down for you. And it was just wild. So, while they were making it more confusing, talking about their format, which wasn't the subject of their legal. And then being like, and if you don't understand what our format is, just watch some of our videos, which would just give you more money. Like, which it was would, just right. awful. And would also further give you the impression that what you can't do is have people react to things. Right. Because it really has nothing to do with the content of the video. A trademark is strictly the logo or title. So at the That's end it. of the day, you know, it was a, a positive thing for the community that this has not gone forward and, and gotten the ball rolling to make this a huge problem for other creators. But it was also that moment of you got greedy and I'm glad that you got served. And you got checked. It's amazing. And and you know what the other best, the next best thing about that is? What? Is that now that entire group, everybody that participated in that and watched the fallout and watched them start off by rolling their eyes and end up by eating their own shit, like, they now know that they can do this for every oh, they've other made person. People have become stars off this shit. Like, That's awesome. At the end of the day, a YouTube scandal, as much as it's a, it can be really Petty. scary. <laughs> oh, no, scary. I mean scary in the sense okay. that like I'm sure that the Fine Brothers, I know for a fact that they were terrified that this was happening because even though they have 20 million subscribers, to lose a million subscribers in a few days, you could lose brand deals. You might have, you could have to let go of employees. They've got yeah. like 40 employees. You could, be, like, you could be Michael Phelps with the joint or the bong or whatever Exactly. He had. Like you could lose it all and yeah. that's really scary but at the same time, 
more people were watching their videos than ever before because they wanted to know what happened. Mm -hmm. And then people were making reaction videos to the scandals. And then one guy's channel, <laughs> one guy's channel got deleted or, or his videos got deleted for copyright. And then he made another video. And then that video got like half a million views. Yeah. And like you go to the guy's channel, he has no views on his channel. But just because he talked about this scandal. Right. And he got a copyright claim. Like he blew the fuck up. Like I watched the video That's just awesome. because I, you know, what it's I'm hilarious so to like, watch to watch people who are who are wrong when they're wrong or when they're getting greedy or selfish. It's hilarious to watch as they as they throw what they think is water on a fire and it turns out to be gasoline. Oh my god! It was just that whole thing was just wild. So um, I'm glad that it turned out for the best, and I'm excited to see who gets their come up. It's next in the uh, YouTube community. We'll oh. be here to talk about it. Yeah, I'll be ready. In other news, and this is really important, I know you guys are, I, I know you've all seen the stories on this, so, you know, just bear with me. I know it's going to be a lot of redundancy. There is a new largest prime number, a very brand new, the first time it's ever been discovered. It is two to the 74,000, 74,207,281st minus one. Science that's it. So I just want to let you know that that number is over 21 million digits long. Okay, wait. What exactly <laughs> is a prime number? Okay, so a prime a prime number, and you guys know this, I think. <laughs> Fran might not. No, I represent. But she works in television, so she doesn't need to know these things. I represent the listeners that. I'm sorry. This m number has 21 million digits. When in my yeah. life will I ever? This I is mean, awesome. When will I ever? be able to write a number with 21 million digits. I don't know. And You won't. Somebody actually did the math on how long it would take them to hand write this out, and mm -hmm. it was something like six months. Holy. To actually just write it out. Just to sit there and write it out. On how long do you think it did, how long do you think it took them to do the math to figure out how long it would take them to write the number? Well, that's interesting. So, right? some, some board, some board geniuses com uh, created a computer not a computer, but a software that people download when their computer is not being actively used, mm -hmm. and they just run on people's computers, and they just keep testing these numbers and testing these numbers in the computer's downtime, and eventually they pop out like the next biggest prime number. Apparently, there are an infinite number of prime numbers. Well, what is a prime number? You see, this is the mystery. No, it's not a mystery. They you don't said, know. You said that you no, knew. I'm just kidding. <laughs> a prime number is a number that's only divisible by one and itself. Oh. What? Like three. Whole number, in terms of whole numbers. Three is a good one. Yes. <laughs> like that's, it, that's the best I can do. Uh, three. You three. got up to three. I, I did it. You might as well be a series of computers networked together. It took me six Created months. by geniuses. <laughs> I've been thinking about figuring out that number for a really long time. Okay, so the use, the practical application in your life is zero. That's not a prime number. Zero is not a prime number. Oh, okay, I was just like, wait a second, <laughs> is that a prime number too? So, what? Right. So that that's what was my next question is why is this just like a weird, freaky, like sciencey? Well, no more, just like mathematical thing that somebody was like, oh yeah, you wanna you wanna like I'm gonna really blow your mind. I think for really really high level science, or in the in the distant future when our computer programming can actually expand to the point where it can catch up and use numbers this large, it is possible that it will be applicable. But I'm just the guy who runs a, a humble science corner, so <laughs> I'm not, like don't listen to me. Just know that now you know that there's a new largest prime number out there 
and uh, and and look for the nerds react videos. Oh on, my god! Uh, on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> nerds react to the largest prime number. I would watch that video. Uh, okay, so listen, I I I know I just did the last segment, but I have to say this because this is really, I don't know, I don't know what it is. There is a Ben and Jerry's. I was I was gonna segue to this. Created. Do you want to segue? You can segue. Okay. Go ahead. I just, I just thought like you should have done a better segue in the sense that like you know we're talking about things that have been created or discovered. Like here's another discovery in the food arena. <laughs> Patrick is doing an interpretive <laughs> dance that I'm I am trying to remember our hand signals. No, no, no. I, I remember when we had hand signals, but like I'm babe, using my whole know, body to babe, to instruct you to stop talking and sig- do the fucking segue. The signal that Patrick just did looked like he was a tree that exploded into a <laughs> firework. It was, a, it was, I don't, I've never seen you do that motion in my a life. A tree that exploded into a Segway, Fran. Oh. Go for it. It's interpretive. That's the point. Right. Um, so, someone at Ben and Jerry's came up with this idea to make a flavor. That's not a Segway. What? Dude, if Larry Wilmore hears this, like, <laughs> you are fired. You really think Larry Wilmore is listening to my podcast? You don't know. Okay, listen. <coughs> the segue. Well, we were talking about prime numbers, and um, I don't know. You you really threw me off my game, and I thought that I was doing a good job of saying mm. that. Ben you don't belong here. Fran. Okay, well then <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you do, do the segue. You do the segue. The outsider. Right? Just okay. Go. Ben and Jerry's created a new ice cream flavor. There was no segue up in that bitch. It though. doesn't matter. Okay. And it is it is a Bernie Sanders ice cream flavor. It's God. a limited run. What is it called? It's called this is this is the creepy part. This is where it gets creepy. It's called Bernie's Yearning. That is so so gross. It's disgusting, right? So so my first thought is, and it's probably your thought too, Bernie's Yearning, like no cream-based product Ugh. should ever include the word yearning in Ugh. the name. Like, that's number one. Ugh. And second, at best, Bernie's yearning sounds like the cover of a romance novel. Like, could you not see Bernie with, like, the sickest abs you've ever seen? His little, like, white hairs, like, gently, like, floating in the breeze. He's got some damsel on his arm. You know what I mean? Like, what would the title of that? Oh, the title would be Bernie's Yearning. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I need to start listening to myself. (laughs) Exactly. Um, when I talk to myself, I listen. That's one of the things that I'm good at. When I talk to myself, I'm asleep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just feel like Bernie's yearning. Again, this goes back to the same reason that I don't like the feel the burn slogan. Yeah, I can. Something I'm about a bit it, it feels really sexual. Mm. Do you know what anything is? What the flavor is? I do actually. I know what all about it, it. What is it? Okay, so so it's plain mint ice cream. On the bottom, that's the majority of it. And then on top, there is a solid layer of chocolate, like a chocolate disc. And and they actually did this on purpose. So they said that the chocolate disc represents the huge majority of economic gains that have <laughs> gone to so the top dumb. 1% this is dumb. since the end of the recession. That's a quote. And beneath it is the rest. We are the mint. And, um, and it's that's... Like, it's like the 1% per mint. Wait, Ooh, well, I, I tried. I, I was, see where you're going. I was trying to, like, you know, I'm trying yeah. to flex. I don't know if you know I work in late night. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
But <laughs> from now on, whenever I make a bad pun, yeah. I'm gonna be like, you know, I just yeah. I just threw that yeah. one out. There we'll clean it up in post. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Can I get somebody to punch this up for me? Please? There you go. Get I one need, of the grunts. I need one of the interns in to here. write like ten variations of <laughs> no, this. No, uh, it's style. We do that. At, we do that in late night where people oh, really? have to go ahead and everybody has to jump in and come up with lots of different variations on the joke. That's what I would like for you to work on. Oh, to clean up your shitty joke? I'm now senior. I have now become senior at this podcast. You've become senior podcaster at a podcast of two. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. Well, well, good good for you <laughs> on promoting yourself. Here's the thing I don't understand is that um, while I think it's cool that they use the ingredients in this flavor to relate it to Bernie's campaign. Mm-hmm. It's not really like a positive thing. I just feel like it's not that creative for Ben and Jerry's. Like yeah. it is it is like starkly uncreative for them. Yeah, it feels like they kind of just um I mean, why did they pick mint? Like I you know what I mean? Like, and why are we all homogenized? You would think beneath that solid chocolate layer there'd be a lot of diversity, diversity. and excitement. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Right. Like where exactly? Where is the, yeah, I just I, that just doesn't make sense to where's, me. And where's why like is the it dynamic called? nature of like the proletariat? You and know what why I mean? Is it, what is proletariat? What the is masses, it? Okay. the regular people. Okay, everybody else. Why? Okay, then to also everyone who's not a chocolate disc. Then why is it called yearning? You know what I mean? Like here you that's, made yeah, you made weird. this ice cream flavor that's supposed to be about like income inequality, and then you call it yearning. Like, are we yearning? For, are we, tr- you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, are we yearning for a more balanced thing yeah. of a tub of yeah. ice cream? Yeah, yearning for social reform and economic reform and, um. you know, change. I'm, I'm assuming. I have no fucking clue. Okay. But I'm guessing that's, <clears throat> I'm guessing that's the angle. So, uh, there are eating instructions for this, too. That, what? That, that further the metaphor, yeah. Oh, my God. Right. Now you're telling, uh, you know what? By, like, by the end of this, I feel like there's going to be a message at the bottom of this thing telling you who to fucking vote for. <laughs> and I'm not here for that. Ben and Jerry. After you scrape up that last little bit of mint ice cream, it says vote for Bernie. Oh. Actually, no, it's a link to his Act Blue account where oh you can donate God. to his campaign. How are you supposed to eat it? You're supposed to take the spoon. And you're supposed to smash the chocolate disc into a bunch of pieces, and then you mix the chocolate pieces around, metaphorically redistributing the wealth. <laughs> uh, this is not a joke. And then this you share the so result dumb. with your fellow Americans. This is the, I'm I'm taking this I'm taking this word for word, at least the last part I have from a what I read about it. Yeah. Is Bernie associated with this? Like, did no. they just come up with this on their own? Yeah, they did this. In fact, it's not even for sale. So they made a limited what? run. <laughs> Okay, wait a second. <laughs> you don't get, you don't sell it. You just distribute it to the masses. Oh, is that like illegal to sell it? Is that why? No, no, no. I think it was just not a flavor that was meant for production. It was just something that they were doing to say, hey, we, we personally promote, uh, you know, support Bernie Sanders. Um, or here's what we feel about it. Or I don't know. Maybe it was just a publicity thing. I don't even know. But, but the interesting thing about that is that they created 40 pints of the ice cream and 25 were sent to the Sanders campaign. So the majority... Oh, so they didn't even fucking distribute the wealth of their own, (laughs) like, Bernie Sanders ice cream flavor? Yes, they made Bernie Sanders the 1% of the ice cream flavor. Oh, my God. How fucked is that? and Jerry. Both of them. God damn it. I think it was just Jerry, actually. If I if I remember correctly, Jerry is is the is the puppet master. Way to drag Ben through the mud. (laughs) I know. I know. Poor Ben. He's just along for the ride. He might be dead. I don't know. 
Can we do some listener emails? You want to get to listener emails already? Yeah, we <clears throat> are 40 minutes into the podcast now. Holy shit, this is fun. Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Um, you sure you don't want to talk about the Uber using a children's toy to discourage drunk drivers from attacking their drivers? Mm, no, not really. Really? I have it on the list. <laughs> You're not supposed to talk about the list. You, you, you want to be me. No, I don't want to be you. I'm you just, do, because that's my line. I'm just, I'm trying to hold you to a higher standard. That's what happens when you become senior management in a <laughs> podcast. You sound like a fucking chocolate disc. That's what you sound like. <laughs> First of all, that is discriminatory because <laughs> as a black <laughs> person, a you are not allowed to call me chocolate. <laughs> well, that's true. My bad. And I'm now filing a claim oh, yeah, of you? harassment well, within the podcast. You can also take down the video I made of you reacting to my statement <laughs> about you like, resembling a chocolate like, disc. What? Okay, if you would like to send us an email, we would love to read it and um, give you some advice here on Last Name Basis. You can email us at lnbpodcast at gmail.com. This email comes from Steffi, and she says that she is low-key tired of dealing with her friend's bullshit. Basically, the gist of her email, because she packed a lot in here, thanks for all the backstory, Steffi, is that she has two really good friends, and they came up with this idea they wanted to maybe start a podcast or a YouTube channel, and this started in high school, and now they are in their senior year of college, and they have talked so much about <laughs> making a podcast or doing yeah. videos or something. Story and of my life. Every single time they've talked about it, everyone's been like, yeah, 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 let's do it. And then nothing happened because their schedules or they don't have equipment. And she just kind of feels like they keep making excuses mm -hmm. rather than actually following through. And she still wants to do something, but she's not sure if she should do it on her own or if she should try and work with them because she's just tired of all talk and no follow through. Now, I thought this was a really good question because I think this is something that creative people deal with all the time, especially when they feel like they need a little extra encouragement. And so they think, oh, what better way to get something done than to work with people that I love or that I'm friends with? And Steph even opened her email by saying she loves our podcast because this is a place where you and I can work together on a creative project. Yeah. And now she wants to do that with her friends, but they just are kind of letting her down. So mm -hmm. what do you think? Oh, what do I think? Uh, you know, I um, I'm a master at exactly this, which is – wanting to do a lot of things, having very high hopes, uh, and and knowing that I can do something amazing, that the product will be fantastic, mm -hmm. and then not doing anything. So, you know, I'm probably not the – unless you want pointers on how to do more of that, you um, – Well, she's – okay, so – You probably don't want my advice. So, I again, I liked this question because I think this is a good time to give Steffi a little tough love. I think that if you really want to make the project happen, then you have to take responsibility for the fact that you are just as guilty as they are as putting this shit off. Because at the end of the day, you're never going to have the best equipment. You're never going to make, like, the Sistine Chapel the first time you, like, create a project. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, everyone has growing yeah. pains. The first thing that you do always sucks. Yeah, you know what I mean? True. Like, you have to stumble and make mistakes and try different things and, like, have equipment failures and, like, all of these things. And if you just make excuses – then you're never going to do it. And what it mm -hmm. sounds like is that you have two people in this little trifecta who aren't very motivated and you are trying to bring this like thing to fruition and when they say that they don't want to do it, you kind of let that dictate 
the the course of the project mm -hmm. and you say, oh, God, you guys are keeping us, holding us back. Right. But, like, you're holding yourself back, too, by letting them hold you back. That's you a good point. I mean? Hey, I mean, possibly they could be writing the same email. Exactly. They could I, I be mean, saying, I mean, like, not necessarily, but, you know, I obviously you, you, you really do want to make something happen. And, and so I'm just kind of teasing you about that. But if you want something done, you have to make sure it gets done. Yeah. If somebody else isn't going to do it or they're not participating or they're not pulling their weight, then they're dead weight. And you need to, I mean, you could still be friends with them. It's not, it doesn't have to be personal or any, any hard feelings. But, you know, if you want to do something, you can't let somebody else stop you from doing it. When it comes to creative endeavors, especially when you first start, you have to be so self-motivated. And especially these days, a lot of people get into these creative fields because they see the glory. They see like, wow, you work on TV and you're in a magazine and you meet celebrities and you do all this stuff. And it's like, okay, but 10 years ago when I was making videos in my apartment and I had a day job, I wasn't getting anything like monetary out of it. I wasn't getting lots of views. I wasn't mm -hmm. getting any of these things. I just had something to say and I just wanted to do it and that's what has to drive you yeah. and you can't rely on someone else to do it for you and if those people aren't doing the work and they're not going to foster your creative talent and support you you are in a, an amazing position by being in college there are thousands of people on your cr college campus who want to make stuff and are making stuff right now so you can walk outside of your dorm room and meet somebody, you know what I mean, in the quad who's doing something cool and wants to work with you rather than just relying on these friends who could be really great friends, you know what I mean? Like, no mm -hmm. shade to them. The thing is, is not everyone is cut out for this, you yeah, know? Yeah, they might, they might be imagining the, the fame and not actually have the desire to, exactly. to do it. I, I think that's that happens a lot, especially where somebody else is getting some sort of attention for doing something. You know, I, I mean, I've... I, I'm like I I want to be a writer on the day uh, the nightly show now you know like I was you know I I'm I'm half kidding I would I'd actually take that job in a heartbeat Larry anyway <laughs> um, <laughs> just saying you know you you heard it here you know, you know you know my chops but uh, <laughs> I'm so embarrassed <laughs> okay all right I'll cut that out no but, no keep it it's funny but um but yeah it's it. It, it ha and everybody does it. Like everybody's guilty. There's always it's you know what. In fact, it's important to have fantasies and to and to it's a good escape. You know, and then you go back to living your life and doing the things that you're actually good at and the things that you actually want to do or the things that actually pay the bills or however you live your life. But you know, it's a good mental escape, really. But it takes a lot of guts to get past that fantasy phase and actually do the work because at the end of the day, every single person. You know, anytime you talk to someone, someone's like, oh, yeah, man, that would be a really good idea for a movie. But then, like, they don't write the movie. Oh, my God. There is a Do you know huge, what I mean? There's a huge difference between having a good idea and being able to write something. It sounds like you really want to create something, and that's why you reached out for advice. I think that you kind of have to push yourself out of that comfort zone and take the plunge and remind yourself, like, what's the worst thing that could happen? You make something and you don't like it. You know what I mean? Or yeah. like you make something and not a lot of people listen to it or watch it. Yeah, that's the good part. You is know that what if I mean? you make something that sucks, it's not gonna be redistributed across the globe. People just aren't gonna watch it. So you right. really really there aren't huge repercussions. Steffi, listen, I know that it's really frustrating, but I think some of your frustration stems from yourself <laughs> and that if you give yourself a little bit of tough love, buckle down, instead of talking about doing, just do you will be well on your way to a successful 
media empire in whatever realm it is that you choose. So I, I know you don't have a Florida man because somebody has been a slacking ass slacker. <laughs> yeah, with my full time job writing every single day. You, well, join the club, friend. The rest <laughs> of the world has had a full time job for their entire adult lives. So I'm, I have jo- I've had jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a working ass worker. <laughs> you are. Uh, you get to take your dog to work, okay? So I like, haven't. I haven't taken my dog to oh, work. You're on day three. Okay. So don't pull that out when I haven't actually indulged in taking the dog to work. So now it's time for Florida Man. Florida Man. (laughs) So today is a very special Florida Man. So if you don't know what Florida Man is, we pull headlines concerning Florida men, usually pretty weird. I'm going to give Fran... Four headlines, she has to figure out which one is not a real headline. These all concern Florida people, in this case, Florida women and Florida men, because, you know, we like to be inclusive on the podcast. It's kind of what we're about. (laughs) Okay. So this is a regular Florida man. I just have to pick which headline's not real. Well, no, no, no. This one's special because these are all Walmart Florida men. Oh. Yes. And so that seems that seems fitting for Florida man, right? I feel like you know that half this shit happens. I, honestly, it wasn't hard to find plenty of headlines <laughs> concerning Florida men doing terrible things, getting arrested, and then uh, and and all of it happening in Walmart. Okay, so number one, Florida. This is a Florida woman. Florida woman is arrested for driving around Walmart in a motorized buggy while drinking wine and eating a whole rotisserie chicken. Oh, that one's totally real. You think so? Yeah. Okay, that's about the, uh, well. Just wh- keep going. Okay. You, can't, you, can't, you can't editorialize. Well, I wanted to talk about them as I went. This is my fucking Florida man. <laughs> okay. You didn't have a Florida man. Need <laughs> I remind you? Okay? Florida so man. So I had to pick up your slack. You don't tell me how to do Florida it. Florida man gets his ass kicked in New York for sassing a Florida <laughs> woman is headline number two. And it's about to get real, real <laughs> up in here. Okay. Number two, Florida man arrested for assaulting Walmart employee with potato chips. Number three, an alcohol-fueled argument in Walmart culminated with a vehicle crash, an extrication from the vehicle, a woman facing attempted murder, and a man recovering from a severed foot. Ooh, okay. And give me the last one. That's That's number three? That's number three. Okay. And the last one, Florida man arrested in Walmart for having sex with a Teddy Ruxpin. At first, Teddy Ruxman was reluctant to talk to police, but after they found the cassette deck in his back, he told them the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, Larry, dude, for real. I'm going to say the severed foot one is the fake one. There was just too much happening in there. Yeah, there's a lot happening in that one, but it's all real. Teddy Ruxman one is fake. They don't even sell Teddy Ruxman anymore. They don't even have tape decks anymore. Damn it, I should have known, and I thought that that was so specific, and I thought, that's why, that tripped me up, because I thought, it's so specific, it's Teddy Rupskin, that it must be real, but I should have known that they don't even sell Teddy Rupskin anymore. Now let's move into this language bee. This week's language bee phrase is, when will your fave? Actually, we have two, we have two. The first one is, when will your fave? When will your fave? Not 
how will your fave? No, it's when. When will your fave? Oh, man. Um, I, dude, when? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, you can't give me a phrase that literally can't like make it, yeah, sense. Yeah, it's an incomplete sentence. Your fave, I'm assuming that's a favorite, mm-hmm. right? So, like, when will your fave, like, when will your fave, when, like, when will you begin to favor something? Like, when, like, I would say, like, you know, I will be like, oh, you're a hating-ass hater. Why do you hate on my language B, or not my language B, what, why do you hate on my Florida man? I'm like, when will your fave? Like, when will you favor my Florida man? Ooh, that was a really good analysis. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like you used all of your... Um, context clues. All of your context <laughs> clues and deductive <laughs> reasoning to pull that together, but it is still wrong. Boom. All right, what is it? Okay, when will your fave is simultaneously praising your favorite celebrity and shading everyone else's favorite celebrity. So, mm. for example, Adele sell- sells 8 million records in a week. Mm-hmm. And if you are an Adele fan, you say to someone else that doesn't like Adele, when will your fave? As in, like, when mm. will your favorite singer ever sell 8 million records? Oh. The answer is they won't. Oh, because man. They will, it's a rhetorical question. Did you say it with the emphasis on your no, it's more of like it's more of like a when, like a like a your fave is not very successful, and right. it's like when will this ever happen to them? When will they ever? Yeah, but I mean, do you say it like when will your fave? No, it's more of like it's it's not even like sometimes it's just like a genu- general thing, like your favorite celebrity or like does something like you know the Star Wars movie breaks like a box office record, mm-hmm. and it's more of a general like when will your fave? ever reach the heights of this thing that I love? The answer is never. Mm. You know what I mean? It doesn't even have to be directed at someone specifically. It's okay. just like gloating over the fact that something that you enjoy has found some like level of success. Mm. And so you are just saying like to everyone with an earshot that whoever it is that you love will never reach this monumental achievement or whatever kind. Okay. There's one more, and and this one is a funny one because um, it comes from a comment that was left on Twitter, and I can't find the actual tweet, but it was in response to a photo of you and I at the Democratic debate. Okay. And <laughs> in the picture, it was, it was pic- clearly when will your fave? Same same one. I know they saw us and they were like, when will your fave go yeah, to the debate? That's right. Never. Yeah. Like, no, it wasn't that. This is the next word or the next phrase. Um, it was in response to a picture of you and I, and they used the phrase "glow up," and it was so funny because Patrick was like, "Someone, can we put this yeah, on the oh list?" Yeah, because I remember someone, this. Someone, someone said "glow up," and I don't understand yeah what it but means. i think i know what it means and maybe i just maybe i suggested it should go on the list so that you could get it right so that i get it right and you could get some praise and so i get some praise when will your fave exactly um what is the <laughs> maybe what, what is what i'm is, still working on that one what is glow up glow up is like you know it's like a like an improvement it's like a you know you really like it's like a makeover or like a like a significant like turnaround in style or fashion. Yeah, it's an incredible transformation going from nothing to something, often associated with looks or social status. So um. when we posted a picture of us at the debate, someone said, ooh, look at Patrick in the glow up. That's right. And because you looked so dapper in your suit and you've been working now. Yeah. And we were at the debate because we got social status now. <laughs> I honestly, I love the phrase glow up. It's just so positive. You know what I mean? Instead of saying someone up, gr- grew up, you're like, oh, you're so grown up, you glowed up. 
Oh, you use it that way? Yeah, people use it like because he uses like a he uses like a a noun. Like, yeah, he was like, "Ooh, look at the glow up." Yeah, exactly. But you can also say like you glowed up. Ah, interesting. Well, I've learned a lot today. You have. Yeah, I did. Well, we had a great episode, and hopefully, it sounded okay since we we're in our apartment. We have no idea if this is even going. Yeah, I don't know if this is recording. You will have to walk on. Please don't say that. You'll have to tell us what you thought on Twitter by using the hashtag last name basis. Or you can tweet us individually at Cheska Lee. Tie optional. Or you can always email us lnbpodcast at gmail.com because we are always anxious to hear from you. I'm Francesca. I'm Patrick. And this was Last Name Basis. <laughs> Larry. Larry, dude, for real. <laughs>